Welcome to Songs and Stories, a behind-the-scenes look at independent music. This time out featuring scenes from a road trip, a conversation with my new favorite songwriter, Larry Deal, whom I met up with at a songwriting retreat recently in northern Idaho. Here we go. Alrighty. Well, as I said, welcome to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories number 177. And I think, you know, I realized I missed doing one last month. May was very, very busy for a whole bunch of reasons, some traveling and some flying and, and, and stuff. And um, I'm back, back on a regular kind of cadence with this podcast, which I've been doing for about 11 years, if you're a new listener to this. we've been I've been interviewing songwriters since about 2007, mostly local, not exclusively, but a lot of fun, met a lot of people, and been able to kind of spread the word on some songwriters you might not have heard of before. So, case in point. Uh, recently, I went to a one of the, tra- the travels I did last summer was a, a songwriting retreat, and I met up with a guy who I've Kind of, kind of, we've kind of known each other for, for quite a few years, but just never had a chance to really sit and hang. Uh, Larry Deal is, is a songwriter based in Roseville, California, and we're going to talk to him on this episode, hear uh, a track from his recent, most recent record, Close to the Soul, and kind of talk about some of his background. Really quick, here's a, a quick recap on me. We're at the beginning of July as I record this, and where did half the year go? I don't know, but... We've all been busy and doing what we do, whatever it is, and having fun along the way, hopefully. Uh, for me, um, i got a couple of things coming up this summer, actually quite a bit coming up at the end of the summer. My, Me and my band, My New Best Friends, are going to be doing continuing our brewery tour, our local brewery tour, on Saturday, July 28th. We're going to be at Still Bonnet Brewing in Scotts Valley, California. Uh, free afternoon show, 5 to 7.30. It's a really nice brewery. They do a lot of music. We haven't played there yet, so we're going to be there on the afternoon of July 28th. The, fer- the following morning, we're going to be on K-Pig Radio on July 29th at 11 o'clock doing a few songs. And the following weekend, we're going to be at Coamba Jazz Center, August 4th, along with Jeffrey Hef- Halford and the Healers, who's also been on this podcast, comedian Fred Reese, who's also been on this podcast, and K-Pig Radio's Ralph Anybody. It's a benefit for Jacob's Heart, Second Harvest Food Bank. We're all going to do music sets. I'm going to. I'm actually going to back up Ralph Anybody on a few songs and play for him. And uh, that's going to be just. Fun. It's the nicest room in the county. It's really nice to be able to play Columba. It's just going to be a special night. And me with the band is going to be kind of cool. So that. And then on August 11th, I'm doing a house concert in Gilroy with my um, not as frequent these days, but frequent partner in crime, Steve Kritzer. We're going to play as a duo at a house concert on August 11th. And all of that stuff is on my website, michaelgather.com. Click on shows, and there's more coming up in the late summer and fall. So you can. Have a look at that. But I want to get back to today's guest, Larry Deal, who I kind of met through Keith Graninger a few years ago. He he co-wrote the title track on Keith's last record, and I knew the name, and I knew we had friends um, in common up in the Roseville kind of KVMR territory area, and we just never met. And I met him at Keith's show briefly. Uh, we connected on Facebook like we always do. And um, what was really cool was about about a month and a half ago i traveled to northern idaho a friend of mine has some has a family home there and every every so often during the year she invites a few people up to 
spend some time with themselves for a week and write songs. I've done this several times. I've always come back with new material. And uh, this time was really fun because my, my buddy Glenn McPherson went... Um, my friend Michael Capella went from Santa Rosa, so it was kind of it was people that I knew already, and I was really excited because Larry went, and I knew uh, we'd be able to kind of hang out a little bit. We ended up bonding and talking quite a bit over the course of the week. And you, you, you you go to events because you come away with just you know new best friends, or creative people and people that you've really been able to appreciate having some time with, and you you keep in touch after the fact. So whatever you're into, whether it's songwriting or or knitting or you're or you're you're making beer or you're raising animals or something, you find people that have your same interests and they tend to be pretty cool people and you keep in touch and, you know, your friend network expands, which is kind of the point of this whole trek we're on. So Larry and I got to hang out a little bit and I got to hear his music finally live and I'm like, oh my God, this, this guy's, yeah, he's as good as everybody says he is and we should probably sit and talk. <laughs> so we decided to fit in time for a podcast during the week. So that's what we did and that's what you're going to hear. Uh, Larry's latest record is called Close to the Soul. It was produced by Keith Graninger at Wind River Studios up at Chuck Pyle's house in the Santa Cruz Mountains. I recorded there. It's a beautiful place. It's a great place to record. Working with Keith is always a joy. So that's kind of what Larry did with this project. And he had kind of kind of all the usual Santa Cruz suspects on it. Jimmy Norris plays percussion. Um, Roger Fewer and Kimball Hurd from City Folk, who were, were a trio with Keith, are on it. Dan Kai, who we, who's been on this show many times and plays everything, is on it. Charlie Wallace plays 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 pedal steel, and he also brought up Jill Knight from the the SLO area to do some harmony vocals. So it's just a it's it sounds like a really well produced record, and you're going to hear a track from that, and then we're going to talk to Larry a little bit, and then hear a very special song he wrote about his father. When I heard this song, it just floored me. The song is called um, A Box of This and That. And I asked him to play it for this podcast because I, I lost my father a little over a year ago. And when I heard this song, it just it just hit me. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. So there's that. You can find Larry at online a couple places. If you go to cdbaby.com, look for Larry Deal. His last name is D-I-E-H-L. You can also go to ReverbNation.com and find Larry up there. So that's all you really need to know. Uh, one more quick thing, if you're listening to this with a computer, a phone, or something in front of you, you can go to my website, michaelgather.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. Click on blogs or click on plot podcasts. There is no podcast link on my site. <laughs> blogs or podcasts. <clears throat> and uh, look for Songs and Stories 177 there at the top, and I'll have links to all of Larry's stuff and his maybe a video or two and some other songs. So that's how you can kind of also enjoy this while you're listening to this podcast. So with that, let's go to his recent album, and, and he writes great titles too. Let's listen to Edge of the Outskirts. I wish I'd written that title. Edge of the Outskirts off Larry's latest record, Close to the Soul. And then we'll talk to Larry way up in northern Idaho where we had to travel two days to meet up and chat. (laughs) Totally worth it. Here we go.
for me used to be just a two-lane blacktop Running past the shotgun shacks on the road to the refuge On the way to the wetlands On the edge of the outskirts On my way back home Did these pine trees get here? Seems to me used to see all the way to the levees Dirty white wings of the gulls circling over the refuge On the way to the wetland On the edge of the outskirts On my way back home There's a time for growing up There's a time for growing old There's that moment when we realize How little we all know But surely roads will turn to dust And trees will turn to stone Maybe those girls will turn to angels when they carry us back home Oh, I hope they do now Nice to finally hang out. We've been sort of vicarious, just 
phone calls and emails for years and almost did a show in January, but I got the zombie flu. But we'll, we'll redo that. <laughs> without the flu, without the flu. But, um, yeah, is this interactive, by the way? Or yes. Like, oh, okay, great. You, you forgot to give me the pre-screened the pre questions. Your people didn't call my people. <laughs> now we're just going to shoot the breeze for 20 minutes, basically. So. Yeah. Well, it, it, that was kind of my sense, too, is like, Michael Gaither, everybody, I hear his name mentioned every time they're around music. Michael, you know, yeah. how come we haven't been talking here? Where is this guy? He's either really, he's either decent or he's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> and just happens to pop himself into places. No. Yeah. So it's, I'm, I'm really happy we had this opportunity. Me I mean, too. There aren't Me many too. other places where you can actually, um, you know, be in this kind of environment. Yeah. And to kind of recap, we've, we've been up in the, up in Stanley, Idaho for a good, better part of a week. Yeah. In our own little rooms, writing songs and sharing them at night, and um, it got me back into a creative space because I've been really busy with whatever I do back in the Bay Area with work and, and music, and, and um, being able to being able to just sit with a notepad and a tablet and a guitar and just have some time to kind of put some stuff together was really nice. And everybody here did that. It seemed like everybody had new material. Yeah, uh, that that is nice, and and um, I kind of surprised myself as well. Like I was saying is actually came up with some some new stuff mm -hmm. so we'll see I mean where it goes just like anything else you you get material and then you start to work on it and edit it more and mm -hmm. decide if it's going to make the set list or not right right and you know yeah yeah then I had a couple of things where I was talking to one of our fellow retreat is somebody else and I said you know, some songs I think you almost write to kind of get them out of the way. There's like, I had a thing that I wrote the first day, and it, I had a chorus in my head for three, probably three months, and I, I couldn't write the song, but it kind of gummed up the works. Mm. I couldn't, so I, I kind of <laughs> finished it, and now I can kind of like put it aside and come back, but at least it's kind of done it out of my head a little bit. Right. That happens too with Right, songs. sort of that clearing house where you, you've got to make room. Yeah. 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 So for people who haven't heard, you've, you've been playing pretty much your... Yeah, I've, for been a while. A while. I've been playing a while. I've been a while. My first gig was uh, I was four years old, mm -hmm. and um, it was a ukulele, and it was at a talent show, talent contest in downtown Mountain View where we <laughs> lived. And um, I came out and I sang a song, wholly inappropriate for my age. It was a love song of some sort that my, parents, <laughs> my dad had taught me. <clears throat> but you know, when you get a little pudgy four-year-old singing a love song, you're going to win. Sure. You know? <laughs> so, oh, look how cute! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really matter what I did. <laughs> yeah, so that, and then my dad was a roadhouse musician. And yeah, so, you, you came from a family of musicians, your dad at least. Yeah, yeah well, everybody kind of had an act, if you will. But, mm -hmm. but my dad was uh, uh, just a, a great tenor singer, and mm -hmm. he applied it mostly when, when I was very young, though, to more of these roadhouse um, country, Texas swing, everything wow. to that, the popular music, and he, he mostly would play guitar and sing, and sometimes mm -hmm. he'd do uh, upright bass. Yeah. And you were saying over dinner one night that for as much as he played and performed, he didn't write. You know, it's an odd thing, Michael. We didn't even think about writing. It didn't come up in a conversation <laughs> mm -hmm. until I was much older. In fact, it might have even been when I just started getting in rock bands and writing right. songs for, for rock, which... Is a different kind of uh, path, right? Mm -hmm. Than what we're doing for singer-songwriters. Right. Stuff. This is a little more introspective, or well, know. yeah. For for rock, it, you know, you had a groove, you had you know something, you know, a riff and things like that were very important. Yeah. Uh, the lyrics were important, but but they didn't have to be, 
you know, front and center, like profound, a, right, right, you know, like we could, like we try for, these right, days anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so so then, and he never wrote. It was always a, you know, you just sang the songs of the day or the songs yeah. that he had been taught. Or, Do you think maybe because it kind of predated sort of the singer-songwriter thing, maybe, or the or the rock bands that kind of wrote their own music that came along later? Could that I part think of it's, it? I think it's exactly that, Michael. Yeah. I think that I think when uh, James Taylor and and uh, Cohen and all these folks started to come in, Paul Simon and all, mm -hmm. it just uh, took us by surprise right. and storm. And finally, if you wanted to write about something else other than Moon, June, Croon, or, you know, or whatever, you had an opportunity to do that, mm -hmm. and you were telling stories, and a lot of us that kind of were kind of waiting around for that, I guess, to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And it was okay, and then it was kind of the, the new norm. Right, right. And then I think we finally got to a place where you know, I'm okay with doing a rock song too. You know, I like mm -hmm. them. I like them as well. But yeah. you know, if I'm going to spend a lot of time writing, I'm probably going to do more of this singer that we kind of now condensed in calling it a singer-songwriter. Which is a pretty song. wide open field, but it, it covers it covers folk and Americana, even some. I mean, there's a lot of you can love, basically it's somebody writing their own material from a point of view. We call it singer-songwriter, but it could hit several different genres. And and there there again was the attraction because I come up from. Uh, rhythm and blues and blues, uh, rock, folk, had all these different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And then by the time the Beatles got here, it's almost like you had to declare, okay, you're either going to do Beatles songs or Stone songs, you know, right. until we kind of grew out of that and grew, mm -hmm. grew through it. Yeah. So it was nice that you could have a song where every once in a while, if you want to throw in a jazz chord, it was like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Gave license. Yeah. 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 So, um, gee, I trying to remember it. My dad stopped playing a number of years actually before he, he passed. Mm -hmm. so it was just, he had a hard time toward the lat latter years. He had emphysema yeah. and he had a heart failure and so it was, singing wasn't something that was high on his yeah. agenda, you know. Yeah. 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 And, but, those two, and those two elements can be kind of a long road too at the end. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about dads a bit this week too. Yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. So, uh, but he is, yeah. I, I would just tell you, in, in talking about dads, he was, he was always yeah. sort of the person, um, for me anyway, that, that sort of the beginning and, and end for my music. Um, um, because it, I think it was never something where he sat me down and said, well, now Larry, I'd like to show you how to do this. You know, mm -hmm. He just did it. He modeled it. And, yeah. and if you were inclined, and I guess I was, I'd watch and mm -hmm. I might say, what would you do there? And um, for me, that was a better way to learn. Later in life, I became a, a, you know, a guitar teacher as well for a while. And, uh, and I had to be, I was always careful you know, when people would come in not to be too strict and say, you can only do something this way. Right. Because um, oftentimes when you got done, that's all they did. Right. That one thing. Yeah, and I think anybody who plays ends up kind of doing their own style. You right. start with certain, certain basics or certain certain things you want to emulate, but then you kind of go off and hopefully do your own. If you keep going, you do your own take on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you're playing that I've heard this week. So what would you call influences uh, based on what you're doing these days? Yeah, well, um, certainly some of those people I I've loved to watching you. you. I've just been... Just loved watching. I would have come just to watch you play guitar all week. Oh. <laughs> you know, so. Thank you. You know what I tell most people is if you can't play better than, I've been playing so long, if you can't play better than that by now, you're not trying. Right. 
it's just, <laughs> it's just you always had a guitar in your hand. Yeah, time. Yeah, and I, I mentioned some of those people, Leonard Cohen and, and others, mm -hmm. but I have to say I'm one of those people that was struck by um, lightning with uh, James Taylor. Oh, uh, okay. It was something about the combination of the lyrics and the voice and, and, and everything, the guitar work, mm -hmm. uh, that just hit a chord. That was the whole package. It was, and I'll tell you what I did. I, I had a, a 62 Strat, a Stratocaster guitar, and I had, I had a, a, a pre-CBS twin reverb amp, and I, I heard James Taylor on the radio for the first time, and it was either that afternoon or the next day I hawked those, because I thought I was never going to need an amplifier and an electric guitar mm -hmm. again. I've, I've been to the mountains. You found your sound. That's, I, that's what I'm going I, for. I got an acoustic guitar and said, this is it. Wow. <laughs> of course, they're all worth thousands of dollars now. But, well, there's uh, that. There's <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. So if I knew say, then what I knew now, right? Exactly. Uh, but clearly, he was, he was probably the biggest of, of that. I uh, can see it in your style, too. Yeah. Well, you know, he's self-taught too, and, and so uh, he doesn't approach guitar the same way that a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And so you chase your tail a lot when you first come out trying to emulate. You draw, you want to sound in those days. Let me try to sound just like mm -hmm. the record, right? And couldn't find the, the shapes or the inversions because they weren't normal or typical. Yeah, we were talking about this at dinner, I think last night, and, and Michael, a different Michael, said that it was the same thing with the James Taylor thing. And he said when he was, he was trying to. He was wearing out records, trying to, you know, going back and trying to figure what they were until finally James Taylor came out with a tab book and he was able to go and figure out what he did because he spelled it out. And it, yeah. was, it was kind of unconventional for what people were used to. Yeah, and that was still the day, too, where we were picking the needle up off the record right. and putting it back on a thousand times right. to yeah. hear what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Simpler times. Simpler yeah. Times. Um, so this is your, your latest record, a couple of years back, Close to the Dial, close to, excuse me, Close to the Soul. I'm mm -hmm. um, recorded with um, our buddy Keith. Right. You know, um, <clears throat> Keith Greninger, by the way. You know, the, the way that came about is I'd, I'd done another record, um, a solo record, in I think 2006. Mm -hmm. And my thought going into that record was the, the one in 2006 was I wanted this to be, I didn't want any drum tracks on it at all. I just wanted mostly guitar and vocal. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out the lesson I learned in that is if you're going to go to a producer, a different producer at that time than Keith, of course, don't have their first instrument be drums, because we, you know, he would find ways mm -hmm. to, and I had to buy offense, so I'm not blaming him, but uh, he would find ways to sort of insert a little bit here, a little bit there, until after a while we were bringing in Nashville musicians, and this thing was becoming way overproduced. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So on the last day before we released it, I called him and I said, I'm not going to release it. Mm -hmm. Just not, because it's not what we started out to do. Right. Strip this, strip that, and, and maybe we'll talk about it. And he says, I can't. It's on the bed tracks. It's on this, the bleed. It wouldn't work. Wow. So um, it, it went out. Mm -hmm. You know, it, I wouldn't say, uh, hopefully it's not bad. I mean, I heard people say, gee, that's a bad record you make. But it, it wasn't what I wanted. What you wanted, out. yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. I sometimes don't even bring them to gigs. I'll, I'll just bring this, this one. Yeah, I did a couple of projects where there was just, and it was when I was first, not, not a, this was about me, but there were a couple of things I did, and they were kind of, they were overproduced, I thought. I mean, this people, no one said this is terrible, mm -hmm. or they didn't tell me to my face, but um, in fact, on the first record, I went through later on, and I did 
a couple, a few songs that I actually did the way I wanted to, and I released them as live tracks on a on a yeah. on a solo like EP thing. Yeah, yeah. The kind of like this is how they're supposed to. So I felt better about this is how they're supposed to sound. Nice. Because you know, it is your name on it, you know. So, right. Yeah. And I probably still do three or four songs live from that first album. Mm -hmm. I just don't do them like they're on the record. Right. You don't bring the Nashville drummer with you. And I don't. I don't, and then for some reason I seem to be in an awful hurry on that record. Every tempo to me seemed rushed. Oh, interesting. So I do probably half that speed now when I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably nervous. As probably. probably, probably. So. Yeah. So um, working with Keith, was this, this was done at Wind River. Was this done in Aptos or Santa Cruz? Well, this was done in Santa Cruz. Santa and, Cruz, and California. The reason we're in the reason we were at Wind River is because uh, a friend of ours, Steve McVessel, had recorded. Uh, oh, under, yeah. under Beautiful Skies, but he did mm -hmm. that at Ridgetop. With, with Tim Prince in Aptos, Prince. California. Yeah. But some of that equipment, or a lot of that equipment, came to uh, right. Red River. What I noticed right off with Steve's record is the warmth that they got. And, and I thought it was just all complete digital, and I don't know how they were doing that, but it yeah. sounded like it was going through Meg Tape. Come to find out that some things did pass through tape as well, mm -hmm. including Marenko's oh, operations. Okay. And to kind of recap for people listening, um, Wind River is the, the studio that Keith Greenwich does up Happy Valley in Santa Cruz. And it's it's the top floor of this home, and it's a big, giant, open, wooden room that was built by Chuck, I'm forgetting his last name, beautiful woodworker. Um, uh, Chuck Pyle. Chuck Pyle. Chuck Pyle's at the upper story, and Chuck's his master woodworker. So it's this big, cathedrally, not boomy, but this beautiful wooden room that has this really warm sound. It does. It's open, and the, the soundboard is, the, the, they used to belong to Ridgetop, it's now, I think, in the back of the room, so the whole thing is an open-air studio. Right, so it's analog equipment being mixed down to, to digital, mm -hmm. and then sometimes being passed through uh, uh, tape as well. Right. But the thing about that, Michael, is that uh, with Wind River, is we didn't really know for sure what that room was going to yield, because I was the first one to ever record in it. I was gonna, this is early on then, okay. Yeah. yeah, but the thought of that really appealed to me, uh -huh. working with a new producer, working in a room. I had a pretty good idea when I was in there, just kind of walking around the room sure. and stuff. But um, I liked that, to be kind of the first there. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, we, we did the, uh, the record there, and we did it mostly in, or all in sort of live in studio, mm -hmm. right? So it's not a lot of overdubs and that sort yeah. of thing. What you get is kind of what you get. To me, it's more about trying to capture a performance than to create a performance yeah. or a track. Right. And yeah. both work. Both work. I just I work more comfortably the other way, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and of course, working with Keith, and you've worked with him certainly as well, more than yeah. I have. Yeah. Just, a, just an amazing person and producer, too. Like, why don't you try it like? And it's like, that's a great idea. <laughs> He's really good about that. And that, and that open-air studio, it's kind of like you're sort of... Not encouraged, but you kind of want to record live. I think I did a, a couple of tracks with just bass and, and percussion, and we put screens in front. Talk with my hands if you're watching it. You know. <laughs> we we put screens in front of the drummer and the and the and the bass player, and I was up on like the main riser, and we just did it all live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, you know, it's hard just not to come out of that with a just a, a strong, a close relationship with with everybody that's sure. in that process. Yeah. Just such great people to work with, you know, yeah. and great people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was the Wind River, and, and now is these discussions around in my head anyway about what are you going to do next? Or right. You know, are you going to do another one? And if you did, where would you do it? Mm -hmm. And all that. There's there's things to be said for going with new producers, new studios, and there's things to be said to stay in. Right. With what you're doing. So 
Time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, because this one, Close to the Soul, is such a nice record. You might want to go back and just redo that. Or you, you know, there's people around you up where you're, where you're at, too, around Roosevelt. There's people up there, too. There so are. have got options. There yeah. are, but I'd like the vibe in Santa Cruz. Yeah, and, it's uh, nice. You know. And we could hang that way if you came down and recorded. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All right. Yeah. So I had a request, and if you wouldn't mind. I don't do requests. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, I, will, I will today. <laughs> it's one you wrote. Oh, okay. I always say, people say, you take requests? Yeah, if it's something I wrote that I still remember, I would be glad to. No, we were talking, because my dad passed a little over a year ago, and yeah, you have this beautiful yeah. song called Box of This and That. Yeah. Do you, you want to hear a little bit about it first? I would or love you? to. Okay. I think the podcasting audience would, too. Okay, sure, great. Well, I mentioned how uh, what a big part of my life in music my, my dad was. Such a great well-sourcer. Um one of the things that the gifts that my dad had not received was the gift of carpentry or being able to fix things. You know, he, he did a lot of things in life, but that just wasn't one of his skills. Anyway, I'm telling you that because after he passed, he had passed in 88, I went through his little shed in the back of the house and there was this box, a literal box of this and that. But the things that were in it didn't make any sense to me at all okay. because they were, they were, it was hardware. It was hardware where maybe the nuts didn't match the threads. It was... Uh, it's a box of misfits. It was a box of misfits. And, and it wasn't, it was plastic pieces. I think it were just things that it seems to me had just come off from things he attempted and didn't work so, <laughs> or he had extra hardware. Right. But I didn't understand because I didn't ever, ever know him to actually try to fix anything. So I thought, well, it sounds like that was important to him for some reason. So I took it out of his shed and I put it in my shed at home and, and left it there for some time. And, and then he uh, passed along that gene to me. I, I really don't have much skill in that area either. And something that's broken, I'm not very good mm -hmm. at fixing things. I can relate. But I will, I will make a shot at it, take a stab at it, and I'll go to Home Depot or wherever, Ace Hardware or wherever, and make three or four trips, come back and have the wrong parts. And, mm -hmm. and yeah. So one day I said, well, what the heck, I'm going to go out and look in this box, you know, and uh, there was the exact uh, part I needed to, to fix this that item. That is so cool. And it wasn't like it was the factory part for it, but it was the only part that would, that that would fix it. and did the job. Yeah. And so then I got a little, you know, like, well, well, that was, that was kind of great. Um, thanks, Dad. And, and, and if it had stopped there, that, that would have been interesting. However, over the course of at least 10 years, there have been as many as 10 more instances where I've gone out and after going through things, go to the box and there will be the piece I need. <laughs> so then it gets a little spooky. You know? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so that was the, and I'll tell you the truth that I was always going to write a song about this, but I didn't know how I was going to make, give it justice because how do you pass that feeling on? Right. Uh, and it seemed like a too big of a thing for me. And then one day I said, you know what, I'm just going to write this, and, and it's kind of what I'm thinking, and uh, if it's not deep enough or heavy enough, so be it. But it's uh, mm. what I was feeling. It works. Yeah. Do you want to play that? It's called Box of yes. This and That. Uh, okay. Under all that dust Settled on a shelf Hanging off the edge 
space and time forgot box of this and that And I'm not the one you call striped bib overalls never work for me can't fix anything filled with what I lack box of this and Of all the gifts you gave, this one takes the cake, this one saves the day. Dear Dad, how could you foresee exactly what I need? I approach your age About to turn that page Getting on in years Time to pick those things My son will unpack Box of this and that Dear Dad Of all the gifts you gave Oh, this one takes the cake This one saves the day Oh man, how could you foresee Exactly what I need Shine Underneath the rust, under all that dust, settled on a shelf, hanging off the edge, space and time forgot, box of this and that. Larry Deal, thank you, sir. Well, thank you. Yeah, so we'll see you in Roseville or at Santa Cruz soon, hopefully both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And thank you for this. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Larry's one of those guys where you listen to him and you think, I wish I had a venue so I could show this person off. <laughs> Actually, I do. We do, my wife and I do occasional house concerts, but they're very infrequent. But uh, Larry and I will cross paths again. Hopefully, we're going to redo. That, that gig from earlier this year, it was actually the Acoustic Den, which is a great room up in Roseville, and we're trying to find a date where we can possibly regroup up there and do that. But uh, you can find Larry Deal at ReverbNation.com and CDBaby.com. Wonderful songwriter. And this album, Close to the Soul, is just a gem. It's a beautiful, beautiful record. I highly recommend you seek it out and purchase it. So coming up next on Songs and Stories is kind of a part two to this episode. At that same retreat, I got to cross paths with a guy that I hadn't met before named Steve Fulton, who's in Boise. 
based out of Boise. He's a great songwriter, uh, producer. Has a he's an engineer. He has his own studio with a venue attached, and he's actually even worked with one of my favorites, Elon Jewell. He's actually traveled with her and her husband and band and engineered their last couple of records, I think. So when he he name dropped Elon one night, I'm like Elon Jewell, and so I go, we have to talk. So we talked about that. He's also ran tours for bands, but primarily he's just a dynamite musician and songwriter. And his uh, record we're going to talk about him probably I'll probably put it up in a couple of weeks. It's called Strip Down. It's an album where he played everything on the record. It's a great, great record, Steve Fulton. So we'd be talking about Steve Fulton, talking to Steve Fulton in a couple of weeks. Uh, one more quick announcement besides my my gigs, which are up on my shows page. Again, we're going to be at uh, Still Bonnet Brewing on July 28th, K-Pig on the 29th, Coimbo Jazz Center on August 4th, and more stuff coming up for the end of the summer. Um, most of you who listen to this show probably know this is covered or carried as weekend programming on Grateful Dread Radio Nashville, the online station, and KC Cafe Radio out of Kansas City, which is a great uh, station that supports independent songwriters. Locally here in Santa Cruz, um, K-Squid, K-Squid Radio is coming online in a couple of months. KSQD 90.7. Um, they've been working really hard to bring up a local, pretty much locally run station. And uh, they, they're going to have a lot of local programming. They're going to be just kind of carrying the links to this podcast on their sites. And so much of my of what I do is locally based. So keep an eye out for K-Squid Radio. Probably September is when they're going to go online, but that'll be happening. So as always, whether you heard this on one of those stations or you found it on my website or Twitter or the Stitcher app or somewhere out in the interwebs, thank you for listening. Please do support these artists and we'll talk to you next time on Songs and Stories. Thanks. Take care.